and welcome to the first episode of the High Performance Podcast. I'm Jonathan Marcus, Director of High Performance West, as well as co-host of the On Coaching Podcast with Steve Magnus. So since this is number one, let's get oriented. The idea behind this solo project of mine is to take a little bit more deeper dive into the philosophy and practicality of high performance, specifically in middle distance and distance running. However, hopefully some of the themes, especially the philosophical ones, will be useful to people in all high performance pursuits, whether it's team sports, academia, business, art, any type of creative endeavor that requires you to bring your absolute best day in and day out. So the podcasts are going to pulsate between one philosophical um, and then the next one will be practical. And then every so often, hopefully I'll have an interview as well with a high performer, again, to ask some very concise and precise questions to unpack various elements in high performance. Also, too, the idea is to be um, brief here. So Steve and mine's podcast is kind of a more of a long-form, um, roving endeavor here I'm hoping to keep it about the uh, duration of a shakeout run, so 20 to 30 minutes in duration. And then at the tail end, we'll always have a nice little treat, which is um, a maxim, and we'll get to that at the end, but it will be a quick little philosophical breakdown no matter the episode. So there you go. That's the structure. So being episode one, we're going to start off with a little bit of philosophy behind high performance especially as it caters to middle distance and distance uh, preparation. So this first topic is what I call response-driven preparation. So creating a contrast between the typical um, periodization model that is now widely accepted in um, middle distance and distance uh, training design. I think that's kind of bunk personally. This is, you know, again, my opinion. I don't know all the answers, but I've just, through my own experience and through talking with a bunch of mentors and colleagues, this idea that we can create a plan of linear progression, albeit with some steps and some, you know, wave type patterning, is to me just folly. Because the reality is you're dealing with a human being and what that entails is the human fragility that comes with just having failings, having being imperfect, just, you know, figuring out how to be your best. There's going to be ups and downs and lefts and rights. So I think we have to respect that and pay homage to it when we think about training design, um, especially as interpreting and translating training theory to training reality. So what I've recently come across uh, myself is to think more in this response-driven preparation. So there's three parts in this cycle. Um, and it's hopefully a virtuous cycle if done well, a positive feedback loop. You have the stimulus, which is the work that someone does. Then you have the response to that stimulus. And that response can either be a high response or it can be a dampened response. And then from there, you have the adaptation, which is then, again, a positive adaptation or a maladaptation. So I'll unpack, you know, um, this cycle um, both both in the ideal way it should happen and also, too, in the 
um, sometimes uh, negative or uh, unideal way that it might occur in the real world. So we have the work, we have the stimuli that you're subjecting the athlete or organism to. This can be a 10 mile run, uh, 10 times a thousand meter repeats at 10K pace. Um, it can be a lifting session. It can be a um, drill session. It can be a plyometric session. You name it. The stimuli is the work. Or the stimulus is the work, right? So once the work's done and over with, then you have a window of response. So that's what people typically call recovery. I don't like to use the word recovery because I think, again, it sets us up to think about what's happening after you subject someone to a bout of work inappropriately and it, it just to me it's um, we could use a better word and the better word is response so here now you have to ask the question are we having a high response to this is the response the athletes incurring from this work heightened and a good positive response or is it a um, dampened response so what are things that factor into it being a high response versus a dampened response well one is the appropriateness of the work is it too much volume, too, too less volume? Is it too high intensity, not enough intensity? Where does it lie? Like this is what I call the Goldilocks principle. You're always trying to find for each athlete that you're working with the just right stimulus so that they can get the highest response possible and then get the highest adaptation possible so that the organism gets stronger, faster, and better, which is the goal of coaching and the goal of training and preparation. So... All factors are not equal in this response window. You also have to not only consider the work that was just done, but the other stress or stressors that lie within the human organism's day-to-day -day environment. So if there's a classic athlete, that is the stresses they have in the classroom. Is there a big lab report due, a midterm, a paper, a group project? You know, are they staying up till three in the morning cramming for this test, right? So you may have hit, they may have hit the workout on the nose, ran the perfect prescription of paces that you set for them, looked great, felt great, oh, it was awesome. Love it, you're ready to go, kiddo. And then you send them home and they're up till 3 a.m. stressing out about this uh, midterm paper they gotta turn in the next day that they procrastinate on. Those are very real and daily and will never go away distresses, right? So how can you mitigate that dampen response. Well, first you just, you ask the athlete, hey, at practice every day, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good coach. Okay, great. What is stressing you out a lot right now that doesn't have to do with athletics or doesn't have to do with running or training? You ask that question and then they can tell you, they let you in They're like, oh man, I just broke up with my girlfriend or, oh, you know, I got this huge paper due. It's 50% of my grade. I'm really worried about it. You go, aha, thanks for letting me know. Then you can tailor the work that you had prescribed to this now semi-stressed, hyper-stressed, or no-stressed athlete accordingly. So if you're going to have someone do 10 times a K to work their, you know, um, metabolic aerobic capacity and say, all right, we got to get you, you know, this system going and da-da-da-da, well, maybe 8 times a K or 7 times a K is a little bit better because it's going to yield the higher response because of the context in which the reality of the environment outside of training the athlete is in. So to me, that's a missing link. Sometimes, right, we think it's just you go here in class or you go here in your daily work 
life or you go here in your daily relationship life and that's separate and has no impact on preparation, training, etc. Does. Huge impact. <laughs> oh man, I can't tell you how many times I've made that mistake erroneously thinking that there's no uh, crossover. There is. It's, it's an ecosystem, right? It all bleeds into each other. You know, with that in mind, you have to be aware about what is going on in the outside, in the environment outside of practice or outside of training context of each athlete. So just that simple question, what are you most stressed out about outside of the athletic arena or outside of running or training or practice? And they can tell you. And then you can ask them in the follow-up question, how stressed out are you? And I always try to give athletes an even scale, right? On a scale of one to four. One being, hey, you know, it's a day at the beach, no big deal. It, going surfing, man, cowabunga, easy. Not stressed at all, coach. Four being super stressed, oh my gosh, my whole world's going to collapse if I don't meet this deadline, get this A, you know, or figure out this, a solution to this problem. The reason I always ask a one through four is because you need to create a distinct line. So if an athlete gives you a one or two, not that big of a stress, but they give you a three or a four, then you know it's significant enough to alter the session or the work that you had planned for the day. Because if you give a odd number, a one through five scale, for example, most people pick three, you know, or just in the middle, you know, just, you know, I'm okay, not, not bad, not good, okay. Well, that doesn't tell you anything. So you need to create that lie in the sand because you need to know where your red flag, um, where the red, red flag element lies. And that's going to be when it's above a 50% threshold. So then how do you alter the session, right? Well, that's, you know, I always say if it's the answers, um, you always alter it by 25%, right? So if it's a one, no alteration necessary. If it's a two, alt, you know, tone, tone down the volume or the intensity 25%. Three, tone down 50%. And four, tone it down 75% or don't even do it. So because again, the goal of training, the goal of work, the goal of stimulus is to get the response and a high response that gets the adaptation. If you get a dampened response and you get maladaptation, negative, there's no point in doing the work. Stop. Don't, don't do it, right? But sometimes we think we just have to check the box and get the work in because today we need to hit this system and then in three days we need to hit that system or we need to get this, you know, part of the body or athlete ready to go before this race and we need to do this this work no 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 nine times out of ten it's like the main limiting factor is stress so if you can create less stress for the athlete less distress i should say bad stress or just stress that's going to further push them over the edge by all means do it they're not gonna no one's gonna lose anything going for a three mile run instead of a 10 mile run that was planned on that day. And then maybe saying, hey, I want you to go take a nice hot bath, chill out, or now you have an extra 45 minutes here to do this work. So you don't stress out and stay up, you know, till 3 a.m. You only stay up till 2 a.m. So that's more how I color nowadays from a philosophical standpoint, what training really is. It's not this progression of um, you know, all these confluence of systems creating this multiplicity effect. It's just response. Will you ask yourself, ask yourself, ask yourself, will this work? Will this stimulus create a high response to then yield a positive adaptation? If the answer is yes, continue. If the answer is no, 
Don't. It's simple. Um, it's very clarifying and empowering once you absorb that. And by all means, I encourage you to make that your own. So if you have any questions about uh, response-driven preparation, um, feel free to tweet at me, um, direct message me, let me know. I can answer one-offs or um, things that might apply directly to your situation or examples you might have faced with and have challenged. I'm more than happy to help. Just take the initiative and reach out. Give me about a week reply. Nothing that's due within two days or 72 hours. So <laughs> I can't promise that quick of a turnaround. Um, and that now for the final part of the podcast is the um, what I'm calling the amateur versus the pro maxims. So this was taken directly from Stephen Pressfield's amazing work, uh, a trilogy, if you will. Uh, the first is The War of Art. The second is Turning Pro, and the third is Do the Work. Uh, I encourage you to check out all three in that order, in that sequence. I believe they were written in with in the sequence of, um, let me see, The War of Art first, and then as kind of a, a little interlude, Do the Work, a partnership with Seth Godin, and then finally the, the final piece of the trilogy, Turning Pro. So from that, I've read and read, reread those books several times myself. Um, there, it speaks a lot of truth. So, you know, the, what I like about maxims, you know, you have Bruce Lee's striking thoughts, or the most famous is Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Um, there's other, um, a French philosopher, again, I forget his name and I'll butcher it if I say it. His book is, um, yeah, Collected Maxims and Other Reflections. They're simple, they're straightforward, and they get to the punch, right? And that's the idea of exposing these and tagging them on the end of every uh, high-performance podcast episode. So this first one, again, we're contrasting the amateur to the pro. What makes an amateur, and here I use the word amateur kind of in a, a negative undertone, someone who doesn't get it quite, who's going through the motions, doing everything on the surface that the pro does, but they don't have the depth or the breadth because they didn't take the time to really think critically about the small little nuance or which creates a big separation, right? They're the person who's doing 80% of the work that only gets the 20% yield versus the pro who knows from wisdom, knowledge, experience, and the confluence of all three of those how to do 20% of the work that yields 80% of the return. So this first one is the amateur visits, the pro takes up residence. All right, I'll say it again. The amateur visits and the pro takes up residence. What does that mean? So let's use it in the context of discipline. The amateur visits discipline, right? The amateur sometimes gets up early in the morning, sometimes doesn't have three beers at night, sometimes is sober or not eating junk food and Doritos and Domino's. Sometimes, you know, not consistent, but sometimes. They visit that world. They visit discipline. It's a, a place they go to every now and again, but they don't stay there long. Just like you go on a visit to grandma's house or you go on a visit to, um, you know, a national museum. You, you're there for a little while, but you don't live there. Versus the pro takes up residence. So they become a resident. They move there. They say, hey, I'm going to hear, going to show up and I'm going to do this work. I'm going to do it consistently on schedule, no ifs, ands, or buts. That means I'm gaining, taking up residency to eventually become a citizen 
in this discipline. Now, discipline's not a, a bad thing or a thing that's hard. It's actually within all of us. We, we thrive in oral dis- discipline. Discipline is key. Um, you know, discipline equals freedom. Because the more disciplined you, you are, the more you get done, and the more opportunities you have. It's a wonderful, wonderful practice. So, for example, my personal discipline is getting up at 5 a.m. every morning and reading for two hours every morning. Every morning is my Monday. Sunday, Friday, Wednesday, no, for me, it's Monday. I'm up at 5 and I read for two hours. It's wildly beneficial and it's allowed me to deeply digest a lot more um, books, knowledge, and intimacy of authors than I have at any time before I started this discipline. I finish more books more rapidly. I get more out of them. It's, it's amazing. It's been very freeing and empowering. So... This is if you want to eat healthy, quote unquote, take up residency in that. What does healthy mean? We'll define it in harsh, you know, very um, clear terms. No junk. So if eating healthy is no junk, define junk. I like to define junk as like no Doritos, soda pop, you know, those processed foods that look kind of close to the thing, like say, oh, made with real cheese. Well, just eat real cheese, <laughs> you know? So... Again, think about that. If you're trying to accomplish a goal, if you're trying to get out of debt, if you're trying to become the top runner on your varsity team, you know, or trying to win the next championship, take up residence in the actions that are going to precipitate that outcome. Don't visit. Don't visit. Because again, to wrap up here, the amateur visits and the pro takes up residence. So which one do you want to become? Because it's within all of us to be a pro, without a doubt. But you, it's through the actions that we become the pro versus the thoughts and the sometimes actions that keep us as an amateur. And that's it. Episode one of the High Performance Podcast in the books. This is Jonathan Marcus, Director of High Performance West, reminding you to show up, do the important work that matters, and keep making a difference. Thank you for your efforts, and thank you for your time.